Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. Today, I want to share with you an interview that I did with Dr. Jen Chen. Dr. Jen Chen lives in California. She used to be a clinical psychologist. She has a PhD. She also has a master's degree in marriage and family counseling, and she was introduced to biblical counseling, and now she is a certified biblical counselor, and she talks about her journey. And so I contacted her, and I asked if, if I could interview her, and she was gracious enough to do that. And so without further ado, I want you to listen to this wonderful interview with Dr. Jen Chen. Hello, everyone. This is Rick Thomas, and you are listening to the Life Over Coffee podcast. I've got an ex- exciting episode for you here. And by the way, this episode, God willing, will also be a video. And if my video recording goes well, we'll have it in the show notes of this episode. But nevertheless, I reached out to Dr. Jen Chen, who lives in California. Uh, she was a secular psychologist uh, in her former life, and then she was inter- uh, as a Christian, if I understand things correctly. And then uh, she was introduced to the practical application of the gospel that some of us call biblical counseling, and it brought transformation to her life. And I, I just wanted to hear her story, and so we reached out to her and asked her if she would come on and just let me interview her. And she was gracious enough to do that. And so that is what this podcast is about. And so here we have it, Dr. Jen Chen. Jen Chen, I like that name. It's, high, <laughs> it's, it's highly marketable. <laughs> two, two syllables, Jen Chen. By the way, that's how uh, marketing works. You, you know, you would not say Los Angeles. You would say L.A. Uh, you would not say NY, you would say New York. And so if you got two syllables, you're very marketable. And so, and Jen, Jen, Jen sounds, sounds nice. Anyway, it kind of rolls off, rolls off the tongue. All right. Uh, Jen, Jen, uh, I, I got some questions for you and I put in the show notes, uh, a lot of your bio, because you shared a video of the church that, uh, or uh, talking about the church where you attend, and it's called uh, Lighthouse, right? Yes, Lighthouse Community Church. Light, Lighthouse Community Church. And then you also did a podcast for ACBC. And so I've listened to both of those, and it gets into a lot of biographical stuff, which is extremely helpful. And for folks that aren't familiar with your uh, story, I, I would encourage you to listen to the podcast, watch the video, and that will give you a lot of data. But since that is already out there, I wanted to uh, ask some other questions. So we will fast forward uh, out of the bio and just get into some other things that I'm curious about. First of all, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here um, to be able to just share more of what God's done in my life and continues to do um, and just to support uh, biblical counseling. Uh, wait, now, where are you? You're in the LA area. Are you North LA around Santa Clarita? or No, I'm more towards um, the South Bay. So pretty close to LAX, but far enough where I never hear planes, but close enough that it's convenient. Not in the flight pattern. No, not in the flight pattern. I I live, I live beside the airport as well. Uh, the Greenville international airport, uh, which is really small, by the way, we have two gates, but we have uh, planes that fly over our house, you know, quite regularly. I do not hear them anymore. Uh, 
I did. We did in the beginning when we moved here, but that was, you know, 15 years ago. And so we don't, we don't hear the planes anymore. All right. So, and the weather in California is gorgeous. Yes. I went swimming outside this morning. <laughs> Are you serious? Yes. So. Huh. Okay. All righty. Now, were you born in America or? I am fourth generation. So on my mother's side, um, her basically, so my fourth, third is my mom. Second is her mom, my grandma that was born here. So my grandma's parents came here. Okay, great. Good. All right. So uh, you got into secular psychology. You have your doctorate uh, in psychology. And as your bio states, you, you, you went through some discouragement. You said depression, I think, in the video, you know, as far as uh, not being able to have a child, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. Uh, and then you, you were introduced to this weird thing called uh, biblical counseling and even talked about your hesitancy in going to Lighthouse because they they do biblical counseling. And so you've been on both sides now. Uh, so what what would be some of the differences between, say, your your training in psychology and, and training in biblical counseling? You've, you've had the full car wash on, on both sides. And so what would be some of the differences? Well, I also have my master's in marriage and family therapy. And so with that, the focus was a lot on counseling. So actually how to counsel, as well as understanding systems, meaning systems of relationships, whether it's a dyad of two people, all the way up to families, all the way up to societies. And we also discussed what's the integration, meaning integration of psychology and theology. And then regarding my... You're talking mm -hmm. about your secular training? Yes. This is a master's in marriage and family therapy. And then after that, my doctorate was in clinical psychology and clinical psychology likes to use the term science practitioner. And so clinical psychology attempts to apply science research to mental health treatment practice. And so with my doctorate, my training included understanding research. So how do we conduct studies? How do we do assessments? How do we operationalize measurements of things? So basically psychometrics, how do we measure things? How do we even develop, uh, and then of course, statistics. And then it also included understanding psychopathology, what is normal, what is mental illness. And in, in studying this, a term we used a lot was the biopsychosocial model. So this meant that we would look at people from a biological perspective, a psychological perspective, meaning kind of the inner man or our thoughts, et cetera, and then a social perspective. So we were given how to think through these three things. Now, th that's we do that, too. Yes, we do. Yeah. And so as you were talking, I was thinking, OK, well, you not that you would bring that over because it's already here in biblical counseling because we want to be comprehensive in nature Absolutely. as far as how we uh, counsel people. So that's, that's interesting. And so now you're introduced to this archaic animal called biblical counseling. Um, what were your first, your, your hesitancy or uh, your, your thoughts about that? Uh, so in my introduction to integration class, they mentioned biblical counseling and it barely blipped on my radar. It was given less than five minutes in the class. But you were, and, a, Christian, you were a Christian, right? 
yes. And this was at a Christian university. Uh, and I think it was discounted as simplistic or even harmful. And of course it didn't include science and they gave it the term nothing buttery, meaning they knew nothing but scripture. Okay. And so, well, I mean, part of, part of that's actually correct. We, we can be uh, Bible pasters. uh, Yes. If we're not doing true biblical counseling. (laughs) And then there was honestly a part of me of like, okay, they're going to give me some Bible verses and how helpful is that going to really be? But at the same time, it's kind of ironic. I knew I lacked faith. And at the same time, my training had made me open to all types of different therapies. Um, David Powelson talked about the marbles approach. So psychology likes to get as many marbles in the bag as possible. I was like, well, this is a marble I haven't learned about. Might as well. When you say you lack faith, you were a believer. So faith, what do you what do you mean by that? Faith in the like I knew I didn't know how to trust God. Like I knew I God existed. Yeah. In your sanctification. Yes. I didn't even know what the word sanctification meant back then. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. I got you. All right. So uh and then you went through uh depression with the uh, not being able to have you do have a Garrett and is there another one just Garrett you have Garrett just Garrett Garrett and so uh, the Lord gave you Garrett you and your husband but before that you were depressed and so forth and then you came to Lighthouse and you were introduced to biblical counseling and so now if you juxtapose the the two uh, what is your perspective on biblical counseling your training and how you see it now so um, my training in biblical counseling, my classmates and I referred to it as sanctification on steroids. Um, for my MABC, as well as my own biblical counseling, um, it was really, I was given a deep love for God's word. I, I was realizing or taught I was spirit empowered versus man empowered, or like I had to have the correct Um, worldly knowledge about how to help somebody or myself. And uh, I was given this desire to continue to, to, to know God more and more deeply through his special revelation, the word of God, and to see life through the perspective of the Bible and not human philosophy. In my program, I was used, or I was given tools to exegete my own heart, not just scripture. And it really deepened my understanding of my constant need for gospel grace and mercy before a holy God. I think before biblical counseling, I thought I was a pretty good person. You know, I was working in the inner city when I could be working in Beverly Hills. And I just did not see my own depravity. And yeah, that, that was yeah. the tricky. That, uh, we went to the same university, and and that was the, that was the tricky part. They did not put that into fine print. Uh, I went there to learn how to help other people, and what I quickly realized is uh, I had my own problems, and so I became my first counselee. And uh, yes. I did not see that one coming. And 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 when it hit me, it didn't hit me hard. That would not be the right descriptor, but. It, it hit me completely uh, and, and it just stopped me. But there was something in that that was uh, refreshing uh, 
invigorating. Uh, there was it, it powerful. And I began to realize that, you know, this is something dynamic that I had not anticipated because I would be similar to as you described. I mean, I had I had faith in God from a salvific perspective. God had regenerated me. I had heard of the word sanctification, but as far as applying the Bible practically, um, I really was clueless about it. And so when you when you get the steroidal effect of sanctification, it it just it's like a tsunami. Uh, but I don't mean it in a tragic sense. It, no, it, it, it's a a powerful, wonderful sense. Yes, that the gospel is so much deeper to me, rather than the something that gets me into heaven one day. It's it's transforming me even today to become more like Christ, yep. rather than me trying to change on my own or use these psychological methods to try to change myself. Yeah, would it be fair to say uh, that? You, your your previous training, you're learning how to, uh, or you're helping people, and it's more you're communicating from from here, uh, best practices, science, whatever ideas, concepts. But in biblical counseling, you're communicating from here a transformed life. And so, when you talk to someone, you're just not giving them great ideas. You're giving them hope through great ideas, but you're also giving them hope because this is what God has done for me. And so you are the exhibit A to the very thing that you're communicating. And so there's there can be somewhat of a detachment between just giving facts, no matter how good they are to someone, versus giving facts that have really transformed the person who is giving them. Yes, yes. It reminds me of Second Corinthians 3, where... Paul talks about, I'm a minister of the new covenant because it was written on my heart. Right. Excellent. That's a good one right there. All right. So uh, now you're, you're, you're transitioning into a, a new world of fully, not just in the salvation experience, but now you're becoming immersed practically in the Bible. And so your language is changing. Your ideas are changing. Uh, there's demographic change. You're community is changing. Uh, you're becoming more passionate about counseling, but from a different kind of worldview, but you're still in the other world. And so from a, an apologetic perspective or just intermingling with your former or your current colleagues who don't embrace what you are now embracing, what was that like? Were there tensions, disappointments? Was there, were you canceled? I mean, how, how does that, how does that work when you make that shift? Cause that's a dynamic, that's a huge shift. My life. Yes. Has been shifted so incredibly so much. And, you know, I think, a few people thought I was off my rocker and they still do. <laughs> and even for my husband at first, you know, he was like, Oh, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And also, I mean, he had supported me through five years of, of my doctoral program and walk with me through that. And he was just done with me being in school. And so at the beginning of my MABC program, I don't know that he was a hundred percent bought in. And, and part of that was I was still working part-time and I was in school part-time and there were a lot of costs to, in terms of time, energy, finances for our family. But after I took the marriage and family class, he was fully converted. <laughs> um, I'm laughing because um, I had gotten a degree in marriage and family therapy 
And in retrospect, you know, I would use some of the communication skills that I learned from my classes, but I actually used them to roll over him, you know, or, you know, I would feel resentful if he didn't use them with me. Like, this is how you're supposed to communicate with me. But my class, I was so humbled at my MABC marriage and family class and just saw how short I fell of loving my husband as the Bible calls me to. And just repenting of that and, and growing in my ability to, to love him as, as the word calls me to. And through, because God first loved me, not because I'm like pulling up my bootstraps harder um, and just seeing what his word calls me to and how he equips me to do that. And when I fail, my husband showing me gospel grace and which makes me want to love him even more. Yeah, that's a great illustration of the prior point. And so in your your secular psychological marriage training, you were learning best practices, like this is how we do it, and you need to do it this way. Now, you added in another little twist that uh, <clears throat> you were actually, you weaponized your training. <laughs> I yes, I did. That, that poor man. God thought, bless him. <laughs> I, I thought that was kind of humorous. And so you you, you were using best practices uh, with a little weaponization. Now, I, I, I can't, I'm not sitting here in judgment of you. I, I may or may not have done that myself a, a, a time or two. But what you just described from biblical counseling view of marriage counseling, you talked about grace and gospel and humility. If you play back the tape, you would hear those those words and how God has affected you and you're supposed to love your husband. Now, you're talking, this is what comes out of the heart now, yes. which totally transforms these best practices uh, that you have towards your husband. Uh, that's, that's an interesting, that's a powerful illustration. Now, also in your training, you you there was a bridge between let's say secular psychology and biblical counseling and, and it's cognitive behavioral therapy. Cause you talked about that in one of your bios that at first you thought it was uh, cognitive behavioral therapy or, or something like that. And, and so talk to me about that as you were moving from psychology to CBT to, um, to biblical counseling. Yes. Yes. Cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, to over oversimplify a lot, but it posits that basically the way an individual perceives a situation is more closely connected to how they react than the actual situation. And what the therapist does is helps the person target their thoughts, meaning they assess their thoughts for accuracy or helpfulness, and then they find more replacement thoughts. And then another thing they do is what they they call they decrease the believability of what they call core beliefs, which they will typically call either someone has the core belief of feeling inadequate or a core belief of, of being unlovable. And this this uh, this type of therapy is really based in the Stoic philosophy. And so you 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 change your thoughts and you change your behaviors, and that affects your emotions. And while at first, you know, my counselor would, would make me write down my thoughts and then, okay, how are we going to think biblically about this? But it did so much more that it did help me to see things from a biblical perspective. 
and really be able to see things through, you know, the, the word, through God's epic story of creation, fall, redemption, consummation. But it wasn't just changing my thoughts. There was this, it developed this biblical counseling, again, developed this deep relationship with our triune redeemer. You know, right. I, I go to him for help. I go to his word. I pray. I ask his spirit to, to convict me. Um, so it's much more than changing my thoughts, changing my behaviors. Like you right. talked about, it's, it's our heart, our worshiping heart. And am I going to worship God in this moment or am I going to worship myself or all my other idols? Yeah, that makes sense. I, I could see how you would see that because a lot of what you said about CBT is, is true from a biblical perspective because we all have a presupposition. And, and so there are no neutral facts as Van Til yes. taught us. And so we're looking through a presuppositional window, which means that's how we're going to interpret that real experience. And so, yes, and changing your thoughts. Uh, yes. Uh, but the difference is the last part uh, that CBT can't do. There is a creator uh, there is a worship experience. There is a God who made us. And so that becomes your presupposition, your worldview, your interpretive filter. And it's not a gimmick and it's not a best practice. Uh, it's a transformative relationship that you have with God that that does bring a transformation to the person. So that makes sense as you're a, a surface look at biblical counseling could be cognitive behavioral therapy, but that's a surface look. You're, the transformation of the heart um, is is really the key. Uh, yeah, that 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 makes that makes a lot of sense. All right, so you said um, in your it's funny that you had an integrated class in psychology. We talk about integration and. They had integration, and I guess it had a reverse effect that uh, it's, it kind of piqued your interest. It's like, I, 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 maybe, I, maybe I like that biblical counseling thing. But uh, you said during that time that biblical counseling was too simplistic or that's the way it was presented. What's your response to that now? So I'm going to be very frank, and I would likely say, you know, there are people who have done biblical counseling that was oversimplistic and that I am really sorry that you had that type of experience. And at the same time, that doesn't mean that biblical counseling itself is simplistic. Right. So I don't want to discount if they've had that experience because I, I, I've heard that. But that again, you know, and then just like people have said, well, Christians have done this and I wouldn't discount that. People who profess to be Christian did something, but that doesn't mean that discounts Christianity. Yeah, I was going to ask you a, a follow-up question to this, like what are some of the weaknesses in biblical counseling? So we can roll this into one. But I, your first point here that you're making, and you can think about this other question, which is basically the same thing. What are some of the, as we self-examine ourselves, I mean, we want to do that. The log is in our eye and there's something to look at. But that would be the same as saying there's a bad preacher, therefore all preachers are bad. And we, there's two ditches there. We can discount what they're saying, 
and and minimize what they're saying, or we can just clump everybody into that group and all preachers are bad. And so what you're saying is, yes, we have in, in some ways maybe been too simplistic with biblical counseling, but to say all biblical counseling is that way, that's jumping into the other ditch and that would be unfair as well. And so the question is, what, what are, we just have a couple of minutes here, but what are okay. some areas where we can, um, what we need to address in your opinion? Um, I think one thing for me, if I hear a strongman argument against some of the psychologies, and I use psychologies as plural, like David Powelson, because there is no total unifying theory within the psychologies, I, I completely cringe and I go, oh, this is part of why some people might be against biblical counseling. Um, at the same time, I'm going to cringe when I see a lack of critical analysis when some people try to incorporate the psychologies. Um, I don't know what what the solution is. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> oh, that is a whole podcast in itself. All right, we'll be back. But another issue I would add is I think that there can be a difficulty to know what to do with discernment. I think there can be that that ditch of discernment, but then not being nuanced either. Uh, but let me let me flush this out a little bit. So in U.S. society right now, there's can be an intolerance for a more conservative view. Really? And so, <laughs> right. And so before even listening to someone, you know, it's just anything you say is dismissed as bigoted, dogmatic, unloving. And though actually I would say sometimes it is these things, but regardless, there's a dismissal. So I think in the biblical counseling movement, sometimes if a concern about discernment's brought up, that it's dismissed as divisive, dogmatic, and people are shut down, or like you said, the cancel, cancel culture. Right. Um, on the other hand, I think there can be a big danger in being overly formulaic or lacking nuance. And there could be a big danger in ignoring that we're embodied souls. Um, there can be a, a, a danger of a over uniformity in biblical counseling. Yeah, there were there's something to sit something to be said to be pneumatic, uh, mm -hmm. walking in the spirit. And so that dismisses or takes care of cookie cutter formulaic because you're talking to a unique individual who has a unique relationship with God, who has a unique narrative that God is writing that's unlike everyone else anyone else's life, which is why I'm using the word unique. And so therefore you want to exegete this person in a exactly. unique way, but that requires, you know, the spirit's elimination in your own life and this dynamic interaction that you have with this person. And so all these formulas and ideas are, and concepts are, are, are good, but yet there's a customization effect that you have to have for this unique individual. Yes. That's I love hearing with nuance. Yes. And I love the kind of concept of it's like jazz. There's this basic scale we stay on, but you know, we, we can within that scale nuance it for this particular person because of how they might hear what we say to them. Okay. All I do is sing in the shower and it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's I have no gifting, but I'm going to take that as wisdom right there. <laughs> I do understand your point there. It's excellent yes. illustration. Yes. That jazz, they keep the scale and you play the notes on the scale, but it's not exactly the same way that you play the music every time. 
All right, Jen Chen. Uh, maybe this will be a to be continued because there's a lot to talk about here and we can't like pack it all into a 30 minute podcast, but this has been really good. Uh, how can people reach you? Do you have a, a, a blog? Do you have what you, uh, you teach at the master's university? Is that true? I, um, I have taught the online class for intro to psychology for the bachelor's level degree. Um, what is the best way to reach me? Well, is there any, anything you want to promote? Anything you want to promote or you, you, uh, or you got something going on or what? I don't have anything personal going on. I do want to promote biblical counseling. And you, uh, your, and your local church does biblical counseling as well. We do. We do. Okay. All right. It has been a pleasure uh, to talk to you. I'm glad to meet you. Uh, maybe we need to talk about something that you need to do. Uh, God has given you uh, a a wonderful uh, story uh, that it brings in a couple of worlds, and now he's just refining that. There's a, a tremendous message there. That'd be something worth worth exploring. But thank you so much for your time. This has just been a wonderful, a wonderful pleasure for me. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you so much for listening, you all. God bless. God bless. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.